so today, I have the privilege of sharing with you guys again something that God has been speaking to us in regards of what the topic is, the church that pleases God. So my title today is Right at the Roots. It's going to be very simple. I didn't want to go overboard. I didn't want to uh, make it too complex. I just wanted to keep it simple. Basically, it's just a reminder of what we know. It's basically how I, what, what Pastor Ian said, like, it's a wake-up call to see if you guys have been paying attention to the past messages, GLC, seminars, and everything. It's a complete reminder or a recap of what's going on. So before I get that, I want to I like, kind of show you a picture of what that means. When I was in high school, um, senior year to be exact, I had this one place that I called my own place. Since I lived in Burbank, it's all hills and pretty much like parks every single block. But one, there's this one park in Burbank that, that stood out, and this was, um, if you guys know where it is, it's Brace, uh, Brace Canyon Park. This, I lived two blocks down, and basically after school, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I would be at that park playing basketball. Regardless of if it's like hot, rain, cold, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you'd see 20 people, my friends, all be there, regardless of what happened. Even if it's finals week, we'd be there. The reason why we were there is because we knew that place was ours. Every time we go there, there's always this notion that I, I feel safe here. I don't need to change. I don't need to put on a mask or a facade to basically speak or tell them that this is me. I, should just, I will just go there in my shoes, my shorts, maybe a hoodie, and start shooting, and they'll know exactly who I am. This has been going on for more than five years, and I, some of my friends are out of state. Some of them are out of the country. Some of them are still in Burbank. But regardless, when you, have a, when you have a chance, we always go back to that place. You know, it's something that reminds us ourselves of who we are. For us, it was our roots. It was our source. Like, we were free to be who we are without anyone judging, and we wanted to be at that place, you know? And there are certain things in our lives that we are plugged in. You know, as a raise of hands, how many of you guys have cell phones? Raise your hands. So everyone, right? It's f impossible to see someone without a cell phone these days. But now, if I ask you, how many times do you leave your house without a cell phone? Is it by choice or by accident? And what, what happens when you leave it? You panic, right? The reason is, when you look at it, we are plugged in, in that phone. It becomes our lifeline. It becomes our nature that if we lose it or leave it, chances are our whole day is going to be thrown off. That's how we function. That's how society is right now. Now, now that you know that you have your phone, how often do you check it? I'm pretty sure some of you guys are checking right now. How many of you guys hold it with you and never put it in a bag? Some of you guys sleep with it, that it's just right there beside the pillow. And the moment you wake up, you check your phone. That's all of us, right? And that's, I'm guilty of that. Like, I do that every single day, even in class, even when I'm not supposed to. And the reason why we do that is because we are plugged in. The source of what we do is based on what we want to do is because the phone becomes our lifeline. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's just because we are creatures of habit. That our generation today is focused on what we can get instantly, efficiently, and at the tip of our, and at our hands, basically, whatever. And... What I'm trying to say is we are plugged in, dependent, oops, 
dependent on the things that we are plugged in. So this morning I want to share a simple um, illustration. Imagine that your life is tied to your phone, that you can't do anything without it, that the moment you leave the house and you leave it, you're just completely gone. You won't function, you won't have energy. Basically, think of that your phone is the source of your energy. That as you look at that um, battery bar up there that from 100% all the way to 10, your life is stored in mere energy based on how your phone is functioning. Now, I, wanna, I want you guys, uh, if you guys did, everyone get a Chronicle? Not Chronicle today, okay. Let's just do something different, okay. Um, I want you guys, I wanna give you guys a couple minutes and I want to ask you guys what you think our goal in church today is. Just think, like one word, one answer, the top of your head, what comes out? What else? Discipleship to abide. Worship. What else? Keep going. Evangelize. See, when I ask you that, those things are correct. Everything is correct. It's just a mere um, degree of what God is speaking to us. And Adrian said the answer because I met with him last night. <laughs> so that, that doesn't count. But if you notice that both pastors are gone and um, you're stuck with me, so basically, I can say whatever I want without any repercussions of them. Um, until, until they watch the video, then I'll get my spanking. But uh, if you guys, have, you guys have your Bibles, all right, we're going to do something different, but not really different. I'm just going to go back to the roots because that's my topic. If you guys have a Bible, I want you guys all to stand up. <clears throat> Open your Bibles to John 15, 1, 8. I'm not going to flash the, the, the scripture on the screen. We all, we all read. I want you guys to get used to bringing your Bibles. So if you guys don't have your Bibles, I can't say that you guys will be called adults. Like, shame on you. So let's read it. John 15, verse 1 to 8. I am the vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up, and they gather them up and cast them in the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified, this, but you bear much fruit, and so to be proven my disciples. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in praise and thanks, Lord. I just want to say thanks for all the things that you've given us, as this weekend is a complete reminder of how you have been faithful to us. All the blessings you've given us, all the food that you've given on the table, and everything that you will continue to give us. Father, I commit to you this time that I cannot do this message alone. Apart from you, I am nothing, that you use me as a vessel and speak your word through these people. Father, open the hearts and the minds of your people that they may be susceptible to your word. And everything I do, I give back and give praise to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So you all please be seated. So our main passage today will be John 15, 1-8. I'm gonna keep it simple and stick to those eight verses because I think when you look at those eight, it actually goes on to 17, but I think um, one to eight is the meat 
of the main verse that I want to see. I'm pretty sure you guys know or have read or have heard this. I mean, you see it all when you um, go to every Christian home that there is like a placard that says, I'm the vine and you are the vine dresser. It's something that we, is common. It's something that we see every single time that we open, when we go into a Christian home, we always see that. And the reason why I want to use the illustration of a vine is because of how deep the roots go for a vine. If you guys have seen an orchard, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you want to like, detach or uproot a plant or a vine, you can't just cut and cut the branches. Because if you cut and cut, you'll just keep on growing and growing and growing and you'll just waste your time. The only way to uproot is, is to basically dig up, take it from the source, and kill it. That's the only way. And I want to paint a picture because that's how our lives are. You know, we try and try and try, but are we rooted in the right spot? You know, and I was talking to Adrian last night, and this actually just came in very naturally, that we were talking over dinner, and one of the series that he asked us to watch is about um, this Tulian, uh, and he was saying that how many times, was it the singer or was it him that who, who said it? It was, a song, it was a singer that said, like, how many, he's, he's been to church for a very long time, and he's heard about tithing, evangelism, baptism, all those secondary topics, but he can only count in his fingers how many times we've talked about Jesus. And there is a big gap between that because we're talking about living to be like Christ, but we don't talk about the source. We don't talk about Jesus himself, which is the ultimate and prime example of living Christ-like. So today I want to go through this eight verses. My main points are going to be on the verses. Basically, it's a, you could call it an equation, from one point leading to another and then the other point leading to another to basically remind us of how God, want us, God wants our church to be, like a design, like a master plan. So my first point is to abide. You know, basically, Adrian was right. The main goal of our church is to abide. And if you said discipleship, evangelism, you're correct. But what I'm going to say throughout this message is all those are part of abiding in Christ. You cannot be a disciple. You cannot be discipled if you yourself are not abiding. The first step of everything is to abide. And we go on by saying that the first verse, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. It's clearly, it says there, he who abides in me and I in him. There's no one else. We abide in him. There's no other third party. It's just us and God. That's how we abide. The second, he bears much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. You know, exactly what's apart from me, you can do nothing. It says nothing. It says, like, apart from me, you can't do some things. It says nothing. And nothing lies in the fact that discipleship, evangelism, baptism, all falls in something. And if you're not abiding in God, it's nothing. You know, so I want to remind you guys and shift your focus by saying, you know, we're doing all these things. We're doing so many things. We worship, we, do, we praise, we do discipleship. But the question is, are we abiding in the right source? Are we abiding in God that we may be discipled? Are we abiding in God that we might share the gospel and do all those things? So 
The definition is as basic as it means. So abide means to remain, to continue to be held, um, to be continue to held continually. And it says, like in Greek, it says, meno. And there's a quote that I want to share. is by Daniel Norlin. It says, all the work is the Lord. All is done by the might of the Spirit, and we get to be vessels for him and his power, even remaining in Christ, remaining in love. It says here, even abiding in God is a gift from God. For it's only by his grace that we can abide. That's how it is. Like, if, if you look at it on our part, we, there is no part on us. Our part is to accept that we need to abide. The strength to abide as well comes from God. You know, you can't abide and say, I can do this on my own. I can abide on my own. No, the reason is God gives us the power to abide. He gives us the strength to do it. You know, and abiding is a day-to-day fact. It's a, it's a day-to-day remaining in his presence because we find that the only source of our everything, and this basically the first point paints an illustration, the foundation of what I want to talk about. You know, abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit unless itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. You know, so we're going to chew on chew on these eight simple verses today. And I want all of us to understand the design of God as a church because when it says abide, when you don't abide, you can't bear fruit. And by, if I want to test you guys by, you know, GLC, what is fruit? What is a fruit? Not the physical fruit, but like the spiritual fruit. What is a fruit? See, that's one. What else? See, there's a common mistake that we say when I say fruit. The basic principle you see is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and joyfulness. But the thing is, if you look at it, Galatians 5.22, it says, it's right there, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. But the third word says, but the fruit. Does that entail a singular or a plural? So basically it's saying, but the fruit of the Spirit. This is only one fruit. This is the fruit of the Spirit. This isn't the fruit that we are expected to show. This is one of. It didn't say, but the fruits of the Spirit. It said fruit. When you say fruit of the Spirit, it's one category. When you say evangelism, that's also a fruit. So you can say the fruits are fruits of the Spirit, evangelism, discipleship. Those are all fruits. And you can't put this as your basis by saying this is the fruit of the Spirit. Because what, what, what did we say when you accept Christ? What is the evidence of how we show our salvation is by the transformation or the fruit? If you say you're a Christian and you don't bear fruit, isn't there like a big disconnect? That means we have to analyze, did we really accept God in our lives? Did we really let God step in and transform us? Evidence of salvation is the fruit. You know, bearing fruit is the evidence of our salvation. You know, other in- gifts include, like I said, is evangelism, hospitality, teaching, encouragement, service, building. These are all examples of a fruit. And you can't gain, you can't produce fruit if you don't abide. Because God, if you if you look at the picture, God is a tree. 
if you're not connected in the tree, how will you produce fruit? You can't just make your own tree and build a fruit that, you know, that, that doesn't work like that. God basically is the trunk, the life source of our salvation, the life source of our life. If we do not connect, we can't bear fruit. You know, if you say you're bearing fruit, but it doesn't really show, maybe you're planting a different root. You know, other gifts, there is a unique set of gifts other than the fruit of the Spirit. And that's basically another chapter, another lesson. This is basically a, a fruit that we have been blessed, that God has given us, the gift of worship, the gift of teaching, the gift of whatever. It's for you to find out. Of course, in God's time, in God's faithfulness, he'll re- reveal it to you in one way or another. You know, and moving on, you know, second point is to ask. Now, when I say ask, it doesn't mean simply, I want this, this, or that. When I, so when I refer to ask, it's, it is in regards to what God wants. When we read the second part, the second point says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Now, don't, get, don't analyze the scripture as saying, like, if I abide, maybe I can get a new job. Maybe I can get a new car. While all those things are right, the main principle that we miss most of the time, is how the example of how scripture points back to Jesus. If you look at that, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Can you point out a a, a story in the Bible where Jesus was asking for something? So many things, right? Because he was human. He knew how to be human. At the same time, he still asked for help from God. And that's something that he showed us even in his divinity, in his um, supreme being. He was able to show us that he can ask for help because that's how he is. But the thing is, the only difference that he found himself was he knew when to ask and what to ask for in regards to whatever God speaks, you know. We all have desires, sometimes our desires don't even make sense, but the the fact that our human nature is centered and can never be satisfied on earthly things. Now when you look at that in the scripture, it's normal, because we have needs, we have food, we need shelter, everything, that's basically a primary need. But what this verse is saying, ask and it will be done, whatever you wish and it will be done for you. You know, you have to understand understand that. It's basically, let me paint a picture. Um, imagine you're a little kid, and then, you know, as Christmas grows by, you have all these wants that, you know, I want this toy, I want that, and that, and that, because you don't really have, you're not aware of the need that you need, food, money, clothing, and as you grow up, toys become redundant. It's not what you need, although you, you still want them, but you'd rather have something else. It's in that concept that how we abide in Christ, we start off as a kid wanting every earthly thing. We want this and this and this and this. And as we grow older, deeper in Christ, our needs change. Sometimes maybe, God, I want to know you more instead of, God, I want a new car. God, I want, I want, I want to know you deeper and deeper that I may witness to other people instead of, God, I want a new computer. You know, it changes because the more we abide in Christ, the more our needs change. Uh, moving on, it says, like, abiding in God changes our perspective as a whole. You know, the fact that you are abiding in Christ changes the way how we think. 
I can't, I can't say that I abide in Christ and then I'm like, I basically splurge all my money. You know, the, 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 the effect is not the same. You can't, you can't go around saying that I'm a follower of Christ, but then your actions don't show because your perspective changes. When you become a Christian, you don't automatically become much more faithful or righteous. There is no difference. In fact, it becomes harder. The reason why it becomes harder is because when you start to become a Christian, almost instantly, when you truly believe, I'm not saying that if you don't, but I'm saying if you truly believe that the salvation of Christ is a part of you, almost instantly you, ha- you find or you gain this moral compass that speaks to you. And the way that speaks to you is basically the Holy Spirit dictating what is right and what is wrong. You know, when I was in, when I was in back home and I was in grade school, um, I never did homework at home. I did it in the morning, 15 minutes before class started. And that's how everyone functioned. Basically, if you were the early one, everyone's gonna copy off of you. And that, that was a norm. And I, to me, it was second nature that I would just, I'll just do it in the morning, grab someone's paper and write it down. You know, that's how, that's how you function. That's how it was normal. That's how I knew homework was. And as soon as I really deeply got involved with God and, you know, really learning how he is, almost instantly that feeling of second nature become, became guilt. Like, why am I doing this? Do I, how come all of a sudden I don't feel right doing it? Nothing changed. Nothing really changed. I mean, you can still do it. You can still copy. You can do whatever. But the fact that there is now a moral compass is what hinders you. And that gives you perspective of what God wants you to be. You know, when we ask for his will, it's always in light of what he plans for us, for us will be. You know, God is the author of our lives. Do you guys believe that? Do you think that when you pray, he doesn't know what you're going to ask or that he knows already what you're going to ask? So then how can we say that we're not in perspective because the fact that we don't say we're in perspective means that we move out of perspective. We move out of the way for what God wants us to be. You know, our needs change because we start to want or desire the presence of God. The more you abide, the more you stay longer, the more you cling to that, the better your, I guess, experience of the perspective changes. You know, asking not only speaks of what we want, is a moment by moment of communicating with God. You know, asking involves a lot of things. Asking, basically, if you put prayer, asking is a big chunk. There's thanksgiving, there's request, which falls into ask. Basically, if you put it, you're just giving thanks, you know, and you lift up something, and chances are the other half of when you pray is you ask for something. You know, that's how it is. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not exempted from that. I ask a lot of things. You know, to abide, to make sure that we are aligned with God, you can't abide and not have an attitude of prayer. Here's the formula. If you abide, an attitude of prayer comes from, like happens. You can't say you're a disciple. You can't say you're doing things, but then when I ask you, how's your prayer life? You don't even pray. Like the only prayer you have is before meals. That doesn't really count, you know? And when I was growing up, um, my parents really did a good job in saying that you have to pray before meals. You know, it's a sign of grace. It's a sign of thanksgiving. But 
the fact that I went to school in, um, in the Catholic school, they made it a sort of requirement. You won't dismiss you unless you, you pray. And every day you're forced to do that. And the fact that your prayer life, it becomes desensitized. You lose the essence of prayer, you know. And I was learning in, in one of my classes this year, there's two types of practices. There's embedded and deliberative and in terms of theology, but that's, that's different. When you say embedded, it's basically what you grew up believing, accepting, doing. Deliberative is when you finally realize that there's something more to embedded than you actually want. So when you say embedded, what comes in embedded? It's like prayer, prayer before meals, prayer when you wake up. John 3.16 becomes embedded. Sunday school, for God so loved the world, that when you ask it, do you really know the essence of that? Sometimes it's like, no, I just memorized it, you know? There's so many things that are embedded to us when we were kids that we lose the actual essence of what it means. One of the biggest verses that um, shows up when we say embedded is delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. People take that very literally, that you delight yourself, that I'll get whatever you want. But you forget the other side of the coin. Asking whatever you want in the perspective of God. That's basically what that verse says, you know? Even Jesus had an attitude of prayer, and you know that. During the days, Hebrews 5, 7, during the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverent submission. What's the key word here? The difference that Jesus made, it's, like, it's the same, because some people cry out in tears when they pray. Some people basically throw themselves out, they like, say, I need this, I need this. But the difference that Jesus had was in the last part, because of his reverent submission. He submitted his request, he submitted everything, but at the end, it was always his submission. You know, I, 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 I kind of like wanted to model how Jesus prayed in the Garden of um, Gethsemane before his trial was about to happen. And when we pray, do you ever notice like, God, I am thankful for this and this and this. I'm thankful for this. And then eventually you shift on like, but Lord, you know, give me supplement, give me this because I need this. When you, when you, when you look at Jesus, he goes straight to that, Lord, I need this. You know, he knows who he is in terms of his relationship with God. And usually we end our prayers by saying, Lord, do this, blah, 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 amen. But when you see the way Jesus prayed, it's a complete loop. He praises God, he asks for what he wants, and then he brings it back to God by saying, whatever, your will be done. You know, it's, it's normal for us to present our request, but it's different to acknowledge what God's request for us is to be. Those are two different things. I can, I can pray and go on and on and on about my life, saying that, Lord, I want this and this and this. And if I don't end it with like, but Lord, if it's, that's what you want, and is it really an attitude of prayer, or do we just put God as a cosmic vending machine, that we only come when we need something? You know, an attitude of prayer is to abide. And what is abide again? To remain. Now, if you put to remain in prayer, are you remaining in God through prayer? Or is it an occasional thing? Do you remain in God as a sign of who you are? Because prayer is an attitude 
of what it means to follow God. You can't follow God and say that, you know, I don't really pray. I only pray when I need to. And Matthew Henry, um, one of, a, a favorite author of mine, says that you may soon find a living man that does not breathe as a living Christian that does not pray. That's how important it is. You can't separate following Jesus and not praying. You know, and today I'm, I'm just reminding you guys what you guys know because the challenge that I want to basically reveal to you guys is that we lose focus of what it means to be Christians. You know, what is a Christian? Do you guys know? A follower of Christ. But when you look at Christian, is there an action word for Christian? Is there a Christianing? Is there a Christian? Christianed? There is none. Because being a Christian is a one-time deal. Once you accept salvation, it becomes, that's it. From a normal person, you accept the Holy Spirit, salvation, you become a Christian. After that, that's it. That's as far as the word goes. But when you look at abiding, there's abide and abiding, I-N-G, which is a continuous motion. The same with every other word, with disciple. There's discipling, you know. Christian stops, there is no Christianing because a disciple has to be a Christian. To be a Christian, has to, you have to abide. So basically, the things that we do is we interchange all these words by saying, oh, I'm a Christian, but when you say Christian, are you abiding? You can, you can, you can be, here, here's, a, here's a, a picture. You can be a Christian and not abide but you can't abide and not be a Christian because those are inter you can't interchange them. Christian is the first step, abiding is the second step, and eventually a third, fourth, or whatever, how many steps you call it, will be discipleship, evangelism, baptism, and all that. Basically, abiding is a foundation, a response to when you call yourself a Christian, and that's how it is. You know, we can say we wanna have disciples who are abiding, deep in Christ at their own outward fruit. You know, the goal is, yeah, the goal is to make disciples. A lot of you guys said that our church is about discipleship, which it is. But we can't be a disciple-making church if we don't abide. You know, our goal is to not, we can, I, we can make disciples, so many disciples, but if we're making disciples who don't abide, can we call ourselves successful? I'd rather take my time and focus on the small things inwardly that abide because the fruit of evangelism is a product. There is no effort done. You know, you can pray for someone, but entirely the effort of God falls into him. You can't change people's heart. You can only pray for them. You know, and that's why we can always say that for us to do that, we have to abide. You know, abiding to begin with is the challenge. You know, this is where the the meat is. I told you it was gonna be short. You know, I'm almost about to finish, like give me more 15 more minutes and we'll be done. But the third part is being disciples. And it's in the verses again. All the points that I got were in John 15, one to eight. Let's read this. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Right there and then is the requirement and the purpose. What is the requirement? that you bear much fruit. The result, 
as you prove to be my disciples. You know, as a church, are we producing fruit? Now, I can't say what your fruit is, obviously. That's something that you have to analyze yourself, meditate on it, and ask God to help you reveal it to you. But the key point is there, that you bear much fruit. Are you kind of getting familiar with the equation here? First is to abide. Once you abide, you get an attitude of what? Prayer. Once you have prayer and it becomes an attitude in your life, fruit happens. Because the more you pray, the more you abide. You know, the notion that, and I was talking to um, Pastor in Song with this message, he was saying that it's easy to cling onto the tree, but it takes a lot of strength to hold onto it. You know, you, you can just jump and hold onto the branch and that's it. But for you to stay there constantly is the actual work. It is a constant decision that you have to do. You can't just keep on going and saying, like, I, I hold on to this tree, and then some days you don't. Then you're not abiding, because abiding means to remain. To remain is a present verb. You can't just say that I'm remaining, but I'm not holding on to it. Basically, maybe you're just there for the shade, the benefits of it. But is, it, is that what we are called to do? And so the question is now, now that you know what I'm talking about, are we rooted or planted in the right source? Now remember I asked you guys what is, um, you think you can't, live, you can't leave the house with. Everyone says like your phone, your car keys, your house keys or everything. But now when you ask this question, are we rooted in the right source? You know, take a, take a, a few minutes to examine yourself by saying, is my salvation my life bearing fruit. You know, that's the reason why I guess both Pastor Danny and Pastor Insong have been drilling to us discipleship. Because when you bear fruit, the evidence of that is you want to be discipled. You want to disciple someone. And sometimes we're holding back into doing that. Why? Maybe because we are still examining our salvation. You know, it's a reminder. You can't call yourself a, a disciple and not do anything. What difference does that make from you being a disciple to just a bystander? You know, it's the same concept. When you are Christians, you're called to be active. You're called to, be, to do something. You know, God, if you look at it, Jesus could have just stayed there and watched and like, you know, my God, my, my father is God and I can just like watch whatever. He could have been a bystander and pass all these things and we wouldn't even know how to live. But instead, he chose to live a life of action, of fruit bearing, of creating lives that are basically doing God's work. You know, if you, if you look at every scripture, every story in the Bible, it goes back to Jesus. That's the core concept of the Bible. You can't, you can't look at a story, even the most, what do you call this, un- interesting Bible. We talked about um, with this group, me, Timmy, Adrian, and Chloe, Joe, how the story of Jonah, you know, how, how does that relate back to Jesus? You know, but I'm not going to tell you because it's for you to find out. Do your own exploring, you know. And they're laughing right now, but I went, when I heard that, I was like, how does that reflect Jesus as with a whale? You know, you can't, you can't possibly find a link but the truth is every single book 
links back to Jesus, including numbers and Deuteronomy, which is, it doesn't make sense, but it does. Every single thing. And that's one thing you will notice if you read the Bible from page to page, from cover to cover, you know? Second point, discipleship is a fruit. As a show of hands, who here is a discipler or being discipled? Show of hands. See, not everyone is. And the goal is, we call ourselves a disciple-making church, but as members, are we being discipled? As members, are we abiding? As members, are we producing fruit? As members, do we ask? Do we abide in prayer and every single thing? You know? What um, my dad was, when he was reading through my notes, he said, like, I want you to say this. I'm saying this to appease him. Um, Basically, he was saying that discipleship is a tool. It is not the end goal. You know, for some of us, saying, like, oh, yeah, you should go to our church because we disciple, blah, 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 which is entirely good. But are we putting that as a goal? Or our goal is to make disciples who abide in Christ. Discipleship is only a tool to take people from Christ, being Christian to actually abiding. It is the car that brings it from point A to point B. And that's what they were saying. You know, because of this, it's a really constant reminder of like, you have to abide, you have to abide. I can't, I can't make it simpler for you guys because to abide is the simplest word I can think of, to remain. It says there to abide. You can say to stay, to keep track of, to remain. But the Bible uses to abide. And you can look at so many definitions, but it's all gonna point back to remaining. You know, <clears throat> the question is, are you deep or are you deeper? Do you guys know the difference between deep and deeper? See, when I was reading this, like looking at a different um, definitions, when you say deeper, you're starting at the very top because you wanna go deeper. And when you say you're deep, you're already grounded. There is no other way to go because you're already deep. And the question is, we ask ourselves, is our Christian life, are we deep or are we deeper? No. As, um, have, you ever got, have you guys heard of the term, school ruins everything? Friendship time, everything? Well, I live by that, by the way. Um, Sarah would know. I always have, I, I joke around by saying, he always jokes around like, you're 22 and you're not graduated yet. And it's like, I don't really care. Because I always say like, don't be a fool, stay in school, you know? So, so I'm, I'm keeping as long as I can to be in school, but that's like, and my parents are getting mad because I'm not paying for my tuition, but they are, so it's a thing. But school ruins everything. How is that true? You ask the kids, like, you know, if you, do you, would you rather play or would you rather study? You'd rather play. And if you have a hobby or watch a show or a movie, would you rather watch it or study? Watch. It's, it's I mean, if you, if you choose study, then that's good. <laughs> that's good. But here's what I was saying, that in, in terms of being deep and deeper, you know, I, I, before this, before school started this semester, I was really, I was really hungry. And I, I talked to a pastor in song by saying like, could you give me, give me books to read, give me stuff, materials to, to study, to chew on, and everything. I was on point with being 
hungry. I wanted so many things because the desire was so, I thought was deep that I was moving in the right place. But the thing is, what, what happened, what I experienced, I, I talked to Pastor and Son about this as my accountability. I was saying like, look, you know, I'm in a theology class, two th- theology classes to, to be exact, and I'm starting to hate the Bible. The reason why is because the way stu- studying, you have to understand that studying is purely head knowledge. You know, in a span of four months, we've looked at basically more than 10 different Bibles, from King James all the way to NASB, NLT, basically comparing literature, how they change and everything. And when you look at it like that, who's got, I, I was tired. I'd wake up in the morning, first thing I see the Bible, and I would just like hurl. I didn't want to see it. I was sick of it. Because I thought I was deep, but to begin with, I was just going deeper. And the fact that my notion was I'm seeing this Bible over and over again, and only staying in my head knowledge does not make me a Christian, does not prove that I'm abiding in Christ. It only shows that you're book smart. But do you live life as a Christian? No. And that was a challenge he gave me. It's like you're learning so many things about the Bible, but you're separating it from living and knowing. You know, some people ha- have this notion that I, I read the Bible. I've read it X number of times. I've read this and this and this and this in book. But does it show in their lives how much they know is actually practiced? No. Knowing so many things about the Bible only makes you deeper. But following God and accepting who He is and living it in a practical way is what makes you deep. And that's the goal of discipleship. It's a tool, you know. You know, if you go to Bible studies, it's going to make you deep. It's going to make you deeper, sorry. Go to Bible studies, classes, seminars, it's going to make you deeper. But the purpose of discipleship is to interact what knowledge you have to the knowledge of what you should do. That's what makes us deep as Christians. You know, one of the, the end part of this is a verse that I'm pretty sure all of you guys know. Psalm 42, 1-3. to as a deer pants for the water, brook, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? If you look at other versions, the word pants is changed for longs. My soul longs for you. You know, think of yourself as a deer who has been traveling and traveling, walking and walking, and you can't find any source of water. But all you can think about at that specific moment is you want water to sustain your life. Now that is a picture, just, just this part should be our lives. We should always be, you could say thirsty, we should always be longing for something. Because to long for means you're wanting something. To want something means you always abide in something. You know, as humans we abide in food. You can't say that I don't eat food. You know, because if you don't, you'd be dead by now. It's the same principle with God. If you don't abide, maybe what if our spiritual life is dead? Maybe that's the reason why some of us are in a spiritual desert. Because we think we're deeper, but we're not actually deep. You know, but because we think that I'm abiding in Christ, but is it showing? It's not. And that's the question that I want you guys to know. 
And as an encouragement, you know, everyone, every, every single one of us happens to be in that place at one point or another. But if you look around you, there's so many people here who are mentors, disciples, who can show you the way of like, you know, if you're in a spiritual desert, one of the best advice is you don't stop walking. The moment you stop walking, you just lose everything, you know? Now, I don't want to discourage everyone by saying that, you know, we, we just focus on it. My challenge to you guys this morning is to, you know, look at your salvation, look at your Christianity, the way you live. Is it what we want to show people who we are? Is it what God wants us to be? You know, it's a simple verse from a verse, there's only eight verses, but God outlines it so much. The vine is like basically the most common, you can say, blueprint in the Bible. Abiding always first. You can't do anything apart from me. You know, and that's what I want. And so as closing, you know, I thought I was getting deeper. Apparently, I was just barely scratching the surface. It's a practice, you know. And as, as I close, I want you guys to, you know, just think of how it is. Am I a Christian? Am I doing the right thing? Am I doing what it is? Basically, God says, you know, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. You know, everything that we do, it's by God's grace. Abiding, believing, practicing, everything is by God's grace. And the only reason we can do it is because we have to accept that we can't do anything apart from him. You know? And so to share like a, f- a few other things that like you know now that you know that that's the formula the question is are you right by the roots or are you just by the branches you know, do you ever see like a vine like a grapefruit or like grapes not grapefruit grapes but if you are a a basically a, if you own an orchard and the time for plucking is that season would you pluck the fruits that are farthest from the, the, the branch or the stem, or would you pluck the ones that are closer? The reason why is because those are the ones that are at the outskirts, they get most of the sunlight, which ruins the fruit. They get blown away by the wind, they just fall. But if you go deeper into the vine, you actually have to pluck it. Sometimes you have to cut it. That's how deep the fruit is. The basis of our Christianity is how our fruit produces much of the evidence of God. And now the question is back at you, it's like, are you right at the roots? You know? Are we a church that are planted in the roots? The church that pleases God. Can a church that pleases God not abide in Him? I don't think you can. Because it's a formula. It's the basis of our foundation. You know, and this, season, this, this time of the year is like when we're thankful for how many times like, have you been thankful for God saying that, God, you are the one that's sustaining my life because you know, you're the one that provides. Even if we don't abide, do you notice that God still provides? That's his blessing. And what more can we get if we actually abide? Do you imagine how much he can give? Now the challenge is back to you is are we abiding? Let's close. Father, we thank you for this time that you've given us a reminder of who you are. 
you are the vine, a true vine. And apart from you, we can't do nothing. Lord, as Christians, as disciples, as followers of Christ, I pray that you would just impart to us your love, your blessings, your guidance, and everything. That we want to go deeper with you. That we want to extend to deeper things, to know you more, not just head knowledge, but as well as living our lives. Father, you called us to be examples of you. The Great Commission states that we must go and make disciples. But Father, to be the ultimate example is we are disciples of you to begin with. That no other thing in this life would just be enough that you just ab- <coughs> if we just abide in you. Father, I thank you for this time that you've given us this opportunity to come together as Christians and friends and have fellowship with one another. I pray that you bless the food that we are about to eat. May it nourish your body. The hands you prepare them, I pray that you bless them. And as we go on to our separate lives, I pray that you be a constant reminder of who we are to us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.